Well, welcome to another Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and yes, you heard right. Everyone wins today, and we have so many things to give away, and they're all about your spiritual and emotional health. Uh, we are going to get into a couple of conversations about what is happening on college campuses here in the United States, and why does it seem like the younger generation is, uh, like George Barna put it uh, so well, um, over academic but undereducated maybe that wasn't the exact wording that george used but he said a lot of people have a lot of paper knowledge that was it where they have degrees but they don't have a lot of common sense knowledge well we are going to shatter some of those myths today during the course of the bottom line show and today is everyone wednesday as i mentioned we've got a couple of really great resources to give away now coming up the rest of this hour the bulk of this hour we'll be joined in studio by a very special guest Uh, She's a clinical researcher, she is a scientist, and someone whom I know very well, Dr. Kaylee Zapanta, is going to join us, and we're going to have a conversation about gut health. We're going to talk about why is it that so many people in the world are dealing with issues like dementia and Parkinson's disease and things of that nature, and why is it that it's only been in the past couple of years, really, that uh, a number of uh, health professionals have been looking at what we eat and what's happening in our stomach as kind of regulating those types of issues. I I remember coming across this the first time I discovered the whole, don't just treat where the symptoms are, look at the whole body. If you're familiar with the term reflexology, I was working at a Christian company with a guy who used to go have a, a, a treatment every couple of months where someone who was a podiatrist but also did reflexology would go and kind of poke around at different parts of his feet and could tell him, hey, there's a problem here with your stomach or there's a problem with whatever. When you think about it, all of the nerves, nervous system, it all kind of comes to a head in your feet. (laughs) That sounds like something George Carlin would say. But it's fascinating how um, our bodies are intertwined. And sometimes we look at something like uh, Parkinson's disease or dementia or something like that. And the first thing we think of is, well, it's, it's a brain thing. It's a neuromuscular thing. It's something for clinical psychologists to deal with. And then all of a sudden, some researcher comes along and says, well, maybe if we study our digestive system, what's happening with your gut, that type of thing, you find some new research. And uh, Dr. Zapanta is going to join me in studio here for the next segment to talk about a gut health guide that she has written based on some graduate study that she's done. Now, I'm talking about her all clinically and everything like this, that, and the other thing. I should point out, full disclosure, Kaylee Zapanta is my daughter. Um, She was christened Kaylee Rebecca Marsh uh, 33 years ago this past Sunday October 15th and uh, I cut the cord and everything like that and to see how God has used her in this journey of her dealing with her own issues with gut health that literally started right after she was born um, she was born with a uh, a condition that's rather common in kids there's a sphincter uh, that kind of develops over your where the esophagus kind of spills everything into your stomach and of course the stomach has stomach acids and bile and things like that and when Kaylee was born she used to we'd give her a bottle and she'd you know burp and then she would just start screaming and kind of toss everything back up and we found out through a variety of different tests that her sphincter hadn't quite developed yet so gut health has been literally her whole life (laughs) dealing with it and focusing on it and she recently finished a phd she's written a book called uh, her website is drdigestionphd.com and she's written a web, uh, an ebook called Dr. Digestion PhD's Gut Health Guide 
Learn science-based tricks and tips to improve your digestion and gut health. Now, we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, but today, here on Everyone Wednesday, we are giving away not one, not two, not three, not four, but five copies of this brand new ebook. And so if you are looking for a way to improve your overall health, but especially if there's someone in your world with Parkinson's disease, if there's someone in your world that has been experiencing that type of illness, they are now discovering in the scientific community that there are things that you can do in terms of improving your overall gut health to improve your overall health health. So um, I put that out to you, and uh, Kay's going to join us in uh, segment number two. Also, we're going to get into a little conversation about, I mentioned the aforementioned uh, college issue. James Phyllis has joined me in uh, the second half hour, or the second hour of the program to talk about some studies he's done with regard to what's happening on college campuses and how we as Christian parents and grandparents can do a better job of lining up and helping them. He's got a brand new book called Understanding Your Co- and Loving Your College Student. And we'll get into that in hour number two. But today being Everyone Wednesday, in addition to five copies of the ebook written by Dr. Kaylee, actually, I want to call her KK. Okay, just that's that was her nickname growing up. And Dr. KK, Dr. Kaylee Saponta is going to join me in the uh, second segment. But in addition to that, uh, you recall the fantastic ministry so beloved by bottom line listeners all over the country of Dr. Charles Stanley. And remember that Dr. Stanley, I think it was last September, September 2022, we, uh, we were commemorating his 90th birthday and um, we had a, you know, let's do a giveaway. We, I think we had a study Bible or something like that. And the phones were just absolutely flooded. People were just going nuts for this uh, Charles Stanley stuff that we gave away. Then of course, uh, this past spring, Dr. Stanley uh, went home to be with the Lord at the tender age of 90. Well, the beautiful thing about Dr. Charles Stanley is he now, uh, of course, he's with the Lord, but he had been working on a book. And the, uh, the great thing about uh, the, the publishing world is he had written everything that he was going to have for the book, and uh, the publisher has since published said book. So this brand new devotional book is coming out any minute, and we have been approached by our friends at In Touch Ministries with an opportunity to make this book available to you as a bottom line listener. So today, here on Everyone Wednesday, we have five copies of the brand new devotional book by Charles Stanley to give away as well. So let me give you the number because we've got five books from Charles Stanley. We have five books from Kaylee Zaponta, Dr. Digestion, about gut health, uh, the gut health guide that will help you learn science-based tricks and tips to improve your digestion and gut health. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Okay, uh, speaking of health, it's no mystery that during the pandemic, a number of people experienced health problems that perhaps they might not have experienced before. Uh, we have seen that uh, this was, I mean, I, I hate to keep beating the dead horse here with regard to COVID, but here's what we now know three and a half years after a worldwide pandemic was declared regarding COVID-19. We know that COVID-19 was manufactured in a lab in Wuhan, China. We know that COVID-19 was spread throughout the world by people who got it, apparently near in or around the lab, who then conveniently traveled all over the, the world and wound up infecting people before we knew what was going on. We know it's a virus. And so viruses are very, very difficult to contain. We also know that by the time it was declared a worldwide pandemic, that's when the response mechanisms were really very 
uh, archaic, as it were. Um, you had places like the People's Republic of California who just shut down everything and wound up putting people out of business, forcing people into government welfare situations. But ironically, there was not a rather aggressive testing for whether or not people had the virus. And then there was really no consensus as to what to do to treat it. I mean, people who wound up getting COVID, the, the automatic response seemed to be just go to the hospital, you know, and, and, and wait until hopefully it goes away. There were suggested treatments that were brought up and uh, recommended, and, and they were quickly shot down by the scientific community because the answer we were told was there will be a vaccine and the vaccine will solve all of our problems. I read a report in the Epic Times last week regarding hydroxychloroquine, which is a treatment that had been used for malaria, I believe. Some people had been, uh, who had been infected with malaria uh, would take a dose or two of hydroxychloroquine once a year and it would help help control the malaria symptoms. Now there actually is a uh, a vaccine for malaria, but this is prior to that happening. And hydroxychloroquine was being proven to be effective for helping people who got COVID-19. So was the, uh, they, they call it the Z-Pack uh, that you can get if you've got a sinus infection or a bronchial infection. I wind up usually taking one Z-Pack every year. It's about a six-day treatment, but once you get through it, it kind of gets all the ick out of your body. Uh, there were certain treatments that were being used for treating pneumonia. When I wound up being diagnosed with COVID uh, last summer, um, they said, well, you have pneumonia and you also have COVID. So we're going to give you treatment for the pneumonia, a, a antibiotic and an inhaler, and that will treat both. So, but there was very little talk in the culture about um, how do we, you know, fend this off once it gets here. All the focus was on the vaccine, stay away from people, don't touch people, wear the mask, et cetera, et cetera. The other day I was at the supermarket and came across a couple of people who were just walking around wearing masks. And I thought, oh my goodness, the, the scientific studies have now proven that if you don't have COVID, wearing a mask will not keep you from getting COVID. If you have COVID and you do wear a mask, it, the same way if you had the flu, it'll prevent you from coughing that stuff all over other people. But wearing a mask 12 hours a day actually damages your breathing. And then another issue, too, was stay home. Don't go outside. Don't exercise. Uh, don't, well, you know, if you want to ride a stationary bike at home or whatever, but it was be, be sedentary. And there's a new study in general psychiatry, which is very interesting, that talks about the idea that people who get up and move around a little bit, who aren't sedentary as much as people who do sit around, have a greater risk of... Uh, they lower the risk, I meant to say, of getting dementia. Uh, the Journal of American Medicine published another report that said people that spend more time in the sedentary position, like sitting down, run the risk of getting dementia. And the reason they do, quite frankly, is that there are little chromosome caps at the end of each chromosome. And they wind up getting shortened if you spend too much time not moving. And it's interesting to see how how that plays out in real life. I know for us personally, and I say us because Lisa and I pay a lot closer attention to our health. I mean, not that we didn't before, but when the pandemic happened, uh, being people who have home offices and spend a lot of time working in those home offices, uh, we realized that we weren't as, I wasn't on the church grounds anymore. And so just the studio and station and that type of thing and really had to watch it. I mean, if you see pictures of me, you've seen I put on some weight. And, um, but we, we noticed too, we got step counters, put them on our phones and begin to realize, hey, wait a minute. There were some days where, where we used to go eight to 10,000 steps a day. Now we were doing eight to 1,000 steps a day, you know, and really trying to be intentional 
about getting out and moving and doing things. This study that we'll put up at thebottomlineshow.com, actually there are two, uh, it's a good indication that you need to move, you need to exercise, you need to, uh, you know, and, and again, it doesn't have to be heavy weightlifting. Sometimes it's just get up off the couch and walk around for a little bit. You'd be amazed at how many steps you can get in. Go to the supermarket, walk around, go to the shopping mall, walk around, do whichever you need to do. But make sure that you are getting enough physical exercise every day, even in the form of just walking around, doing housework or yard work if where you are listening, the weather is uh, conducive to that. I've uh, got a link for that uh, study, by the way, up at thebottomlineshow.com. There are so many basic things that you can do to improve your overall health that actually might wind up saving you thousands of dollars in uh, medical costs in the future. And one of them is involving your gut health. And as we continue, we'll talk about a brand new study that was uh, recently conducted and uh, published by a uh, PhD research scientist whom I know very, very well, <laughs> especially from her first day of life. Uh, my daughter, Dr. Kaylee Zapata, is going to join us on the other side of this break to talk about gut health, to talk about science-based tricks and tips you can use to improve your digestion and overall gut health, but also as it pertains to Parkinson's disease and dementia. That's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, a special edition of The Bottom Line show today here where we're doing a conversation about something that is groundbreaking research. And it doesn't hurt at all that the groundbreaking researcher also happens to be very close to me. My daughter, Kaylee Zapanta, is with us today. Or I should say, I'm going to say this without crying down, KK. Um, Dr. Kaylee Zapanta, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you for having me. It's fun. If you're watching My Hope now, of course, you're going to see our eyes all over the place because we have the conversation going here on our Zoom chat, which is recording for My Hope Now. And then if you're listening on terrestrial radio or podcast, you're hearing the audio. So we've got all that clicked off. Um, McKaylee, as you have been listening to her father brag about her accomplishments over the many, many years that she's been studying this, uh, is a research scientist now who works here locally in Southern California. Can we give the name of the company you're working for? I know that everything's top secret over there. And... Sure, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I work for a company called Zymo Research, mm -hmm. uh, but the specific department that I'm in is called My Dog Test Diagnostics. Okay, okay. That sounds so cool. Yeah. Sounds... <laughs> we want to get into it. And you're going to find out just an interesting story about how a young girl who was kind of interested in the sciences and wasn't really sure that this was for her, um, God took her on a remarkable journey that now is going to be helping literally thousands of people who have been dealing with an issue of Parkinson's disease that we didn't really know as much about as we thought. And it is kind of fun, Kay, isn't it? I mean, to, yeah. to be in the situation where you assumed like a lot of people did that it's neurological it happens in your mind and you have an interest in the gut and also in well your website your on-air handle is dr digestion so we'll yes. get into that in just a moment first and foremost what I mean, this, this obviously caught me by surprise as your father you know when you were growing up and that you had the interest in science when your sister and your brother were heavily into music when did it develop for you when did it when you started thinking i could make a career of this well, I think my siblings call me the black sheep of the family because I'm not a musician. <laughs> well, I mean, I am, but yeah. I chose science. Uh -huh. um, I, I think it was probably college, quite honestly, because I had every intention of being a personal trainer. As you mm -hmm. know, I majored right. in kinesiology mm -hmm. and exercise science, and I, I love training. I still do training and nutrition coaching today, to this day. Um, but I think just as I got more into how the body responds to exercise, mm -hmm. I became really fascinated with physiology and with biology and found myself in the field of microbiology when I never expected to do that. Right. Right. I think I probably took one biology course in high school. <laughs> That's one more than I did. Yeah. No, actually I did take one too. Um, it's interesting when you think about 
the path that you were on. And I remember those exercise physiology days because if people look at our social media pages, that's when we were running half marathons together and we were spending a lot of time at the gym. There was definitely a a moment, though, when the gym work became a lot more serious for you. And, you know, I was sitting there going, wait, I'm dad and we want we're hanging out at the gym. Right. And you're (laughs) like, no, dad, this is my job. And I'm like, "Okay, well, um, I guess I'll see you in the sauna. You know, after work. Yeah, well, well, it did help. And and to uh, to your credit, yours and Kevin's, because your husband, Kevin uh, Zapont, is also an outstanding trainer and has been doing so for the past decade. Mm -hmm. Um, When I had my open heart surgery, all the work that I had done leading up to that, especially deadlifts and squats. When it was time to sit up and they say, get up, put your legs on the side of the bed, go to the chair that's sitting next to you. Mm -hmm. And when I got up and did that and they looked at me and said, no, you're not supposed to actually do it. We just tell you to do that because we want you to sit up. Right. No one does that. And I said, well, I did a lot of squats, you know, and they had a good chuckle because my muscle memory was still there, even though my chest was compromised and weak, my hips and glutes and whatever were right there. And that, that, that training... I began to see at that point how the work that you've been doing really does take on a whole mind, body, and soul, not just I want to look good in pictures. Yeah, and that's that's really what motivated me. I started training people just because I love exercise and I really like working with people. And, you know, uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I like to talk to people. <laughs> so that, yeah. that's the type of job where you can do that. But I started to see that, of course, people want to lose weight or build muscle and kind of do the aesthetic changes and use exercise to get there. But they also have these really, or, or my former clients had these really debilitating disorders like diabetes or maybe they're experiencing menopause or heart issues. And I started to see that exercise truly is medicine. Mm-hmm. And I think your heart surgery and the recovery was a testament to that. Yeah. I think yeah. it's, you know, it, it's not just about trying to look as buff as possible or right. as, as thin as possible getting a six pack. Of course, those things are great. But I think the big benefit of exercise in particular is can you get up from a chair when you're 85 years old? Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. a huge impact, and it's a huge indicator of longevity, for yeah. sure. So. Yeah, and I know a part of, along the way, for those who are just tuning in, my daughter, Dr. Kaylee Zapanta, is with us in studio today here on The Bottom Line. Uh, she recently finished her PhD and defended her dissertation in, um, it was a moment that her advisor at USC described as probably the largest gallery of family and friends showing up for a doctoral dissertation defense. Yes, we were all just curious. <laughs> People just flying in, you know, your, your, your nephew coming in from Texas and sitting there doing great for a five-year-old, yeah, you know, yeah. listening to that kind of level. But he loves you so much, you could have been talking about anything and, and Isaac would have been right there with you yeah. <laughs> um, to bridge the gap that I don't want to cr- jump over this too quickly mm-hmm. but the fact that you uh, started an exercise physiology you felt a p- uh, passion for uh, education wanted to go into pursuing education at, vocationally which means you need a PhD to do that right. um, but then to see the journey that God took you on from exercise phys to what you wound up getting your your hood and puffy hat for mm-hmm. um, you see I, I use all the scientific terms right Those I'm are like the terms I used to uh, this that is great the only reason I got a PhD exactly exactly I, I thought this is <laughs> really cool all these other guys have these mortar boards or whatever and you got the puffy hat yes. so good call good call sweetheart um, Let's talk about that because I know that the digestion problems and issues that you have dealt with over the years, Mm -hmm. this is kind of a physician heal thyself type of moment, if you will, too. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. There were a lot of parallels. So I was actually, when I first started at USC, I was working in exercise and cancer. Mm -hmm. And I I had gotten interested in what's called clinical exercise science, which clinical just means like you work in a population that's dealing with a chronic condition like Mm -hmm. cancer or heart disease or something like that. Um, And I started working with colorectal cancer survivors. And... Obviously, as you can imagine, the treatment that they go through just wrecks their gut health. And I should point out here before we go too much further, this passion for colorectal goes back to my 
grandfather uh, in our family. We, I mean, lots of families have this, but we have a family history with this. And so right. I know that was something where it, you wanted it to be meaningful for you in terms of saying, wow, I never met my grandfather mm -hmm. because of colorectal cancer. And right. yeah. so that was one of those things I know for me, I, when you were said that's what you're going to pursue, it was an area that wasn't widely studied mm -hmm. and we had a family history with it. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, I think in particular, like the chemotherapy treatments and things like that are obviously gonna affect mm -hmm. someone who's going through colorectal cancer because it's targeting the gastrointestinal tract. So right. they experience like nausea and all these different symptoms that uh, you know, make the, it pretty much impossible to eat. Mm -hmm. And so they lose all this muscle mass and they lose all this weight and it's really detrimental. So we mm -hmm. were implementing exercise interventions to help sort of like mitigate the muscle loss that they'd experience. Mm -hmm. But I kind of wanted to figure out like why they were experiencing other gastrointestinal symptoms. So I got really interested in the gut microbiome mm -hmm. and gut health. And I, as you know, have experienced a lot of yes. gastrointestinal issues from the time I was a baby. Um, and it, particularly at that time, as you know, my gastrointestinal symptoms are pretty much exacerbated by stress. So you can <laughs> imagine if I'm in grad school, <laughs> a, little a little stressful. Yeah. Uh, and so I was experiencing all of these symptoms again, like acid reflux and bloating and, you know, diarrhea, constipation. So I was kind of, it was a little self-serving. I started to look through the research because I like sure. to find answers. That's sure. why I became a scientist. Mm -hmm. um, and I just started reading through and became fascinated with all the different bacteria and all the different markers that are within our gastrointestinal tract that make a huge impact on our health. Mm. Um, and I had every intention of staying in that field of study, but God had other plans for me. <laughs> he certainly did. And that's a perfect uh, you know, kind of cliffhanger, if you will, for we're going to take a quick break here and remind our listeners, Dr. Kaylee Zaponta is with me today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about gut microbiomes, gut health, and the work that she did that, and again, it's great that she's my daughter and I love having time here in studio with her, but the fact that she did write her dissertation on something that is so groundbreaking um, that we're going to get into not only uh, Parkinson's disease and, and the research that she wound up going on that journey on, but also a resource that you can get into to kind of help with your own gut health to do a little assessing and find out, uh, you know, it's amazing how God created us in such a way that our bodies can heal themselves if we give them the, the things that they need, as opposed to the American Western medicine side, which is, let's cut you up, let's zap you, let's fill you full of chemicals. And so, not to disparage anybody in the medical profession, Kaylee's in it, but uh, I think you'll appreciate the book. We've got that linked up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this special Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Dr. Kaylee Marsh Zapanta is my guest. And yes, she is, in fact, my daughter. She's the, uh, well, Lisa and I have a blended family with six kids. And so now in that pecking order, I think Kaylee's the third uh, age-wise. 
but uh, she was the second in the Marsh Biological Children pool there. And she recently graduated from the University of Southern California with her PhD in biokinesiology. She's always been into exercise, health, and that type of thing. And she stumbled onto something as she was getting ready for her PhD work uh, with regard to the connection between gut microbiomes and, uh, and mi gut microbiota topics and, and things like Parkinson's, Parkinson's disease and dementia and other things too. She's written a book. It's an ebook called Dr. Di her on here handle online handle is Dr. Digestion PhD. Okay. Dr. Digestion PhD's gut health guide. It's an ebook that uh, has a pretty hefty price tag. There's a lot of information in there. She's very comprehensive and uh, kind of chatty like her dad. We have not one, not two, not three, not four, but five different copies of this book that we're giving away today to bottom line listeners. Basically, you'll be calling Crystal at 800-227-5278, and then she'll give you a code. So when you go to drdigestionphd.com, where it says, you know, go ahead and you can order the book, you'll see how much it costs, and then you punch in the special code, and uh, the code basically zeroes out the price, so you get the ebook for free. Great uh, resource to have, and I say this objectively as somebody who has to pay attention to my health a lot more closely than I ever had before uh, pre-heart surgery. But also, uh, just too, I mean, proud papa. <laughs> I can't, can't deny that. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We have five copies of this book, basically five codes, for Dr. Digestion PhD's Gut Health Guide, learn science-based tricks and tips to improve your digestion and gut health. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line. And remember, we also have five copies of the brand new book by the late Dr. Charles Stanley that uh, comes out next week and we've got them to give away today as well. So you've got 10 different chances to win here on Everyone Wednesday. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. We'll take a quick break and come back with more with Dr. Kaylee Zapanta talking gut health coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to the special edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. I mean, all the programs are special. I say that a lot. But my daughter, Dr. Kaylee Zapanta, is here, and I've gotten to the point. I, I say that a lot now because the story is that family history, and it's all true. The first time I tried to uh, refer to Kaylee by her new clinical, you know, <laughs> clinical scientific name, I burst into tears because I was just so happy for you and so proud of you. And I know what a long journey this has been. And God's hand has been over every step of the way. I mean, from yes. how you got into grad school initially, how oncology, and then into Parkinson's. Can you give us maybe a 60-second overview of that before we get into the gut microbiome talk? Yeah, so I was uh, I was studying at USC. As I said, I was looking at cancer and exercise, and, and uh, I got interested in, interested in gut health. And then uh, my advisor left the university, mm -hmm. uh, which is pretty traumatic for a PhD student because your advisor is kind of your right-hand man. Right. Um, you know, of course, it was a bittersweet moment if there was no hard feelings, but I was kind of left as an orphan, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the first couple of semesters of my PhD. Uh, and I found my new mentor, who ended up being my doctoral mentor, who studies Parkinson's disease. Mm -hmm. And she was honestly one of the only people in the department who could take me on, because it's a big commitment for faculty to take on PhD students. Um, and we didn't want to work with each other because she does Parkinson's disease and I do yeah, exercise yeah. and cancer. I'm like, what, how, where's the overlap? Uh, but we met anyways. And 
it was really serendipitous. We started talking about, um, you know, she said, if there's one area of research that you want to stick with, what would it be? And I said, gut health, because as you know, I'm pretty obsessed with it. Yes. And, um, and she said, well, I don't really know how that could overlap with Parkinson's disease. But actually, my niece just sent me this article um, that's in Parkinson's disease showing that uh, gut alterations actually can exacerbate some of the symptoms that people with Parkinson's mm-hmm. disease are mm-hmm. suffering from. And she said, it doesn't make any sense to me because Parkinson's disease is a brain disorder. Right. And I said, well, it is, but the gut is actually connected to the brain. Mm-hmm. There's there's nerves and things like that that are connected to the brain. And so, um, you know, if you think about a time when you're nervous, like you, you get kind of the gurgles or you might yeah. get like nausea or stomach ache, that's that gut and brain connection. Um, and she goes, oh my gosh, like all these patients that I've worked with for decades, they always complain about constipation or bloating, but I just kind of take that as, oh, they're, they're older adults and, you know, older, older well, adults always have, have gut problems. Sure. Right? Um, and so pretty much in one meeting, we created and formulated my dissertation topic, um, what I ended up defending just a couple mm-hmm. months ago. Uh, and it was just such a God moment because I was, you know, worried that I wasn't going to find an advisor. And then, you know, I just kind of opened myself up to the new opportunity to work in neuroscience. And I'm not a neuroscientist by any stretch, but right. I kind of became one in the process. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you did in, in many ways because of the fact that you were following where God was leading you, which right. was to the gut. And I think it's very interesting. I'm talking with my daughter, Dr. Kaylee Zaponta, today about her research in Parkinson's disease here on the bottom line. The fact that, uh, that that here was Dr. Fisher telling you, I have all these patients and they have bloating and this, that, and the other thing. And it's like no one in that department ever heard of stress eating or yeah. anything of the sort, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, you know, emotional eating mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And the fact that there is that mind-gut connection mm-hmm. there, so why not look to the gut? I mean, it just talk about hiding in plain sight, but it seems right. like your journey from Cal State Fullerton to San Francisco State to uh, USC to, oh, by the way, here's your PhD opportunity, but your advisor's going to Harvard. And you're like, wait, okay, so I'm standing here on the precipice of whatever. And then you have to pull this Eric Little jump, you know, which uh, for anyone who hasn't seen Chariots of Fire, this is a guy who was a world record holder in the 100 meter dash, finds out he can't compete on Sunday. Well, they were having the, the prelims on Sunday. And so he retrains and runs the 400 and wins the gold medal. That's in essence what you had to do. God was asking you to do, and yet he led you to this person, how someone with your background and your faith component has been able to navigate academia still blows me away. Yeah, I mean, it blows, it blows me away too. I, I don't I don't really attribute it, any of it to me, obviously. It's it's all him guiding me. Well, you had to write the papers and do the poop yeah, samples yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. sorry. But I think, you know, I had every intention of studying something completely different when I started grad right. school and having right. a different job right now. And God kind of guided me mm-hmm. in a different direction, but it's ended up being way better than I could have ever imagined. So, and your research, I mean, this is now being published in medical journals, the research about the gut. Uh, microbiome connection to Parkinson's uh, really is changing the way leading universities are treating this in terms of occupational therapy thing. I mean, I'm not giving away trade secrets here, but it really, it's one of those things where you kind of take a step back and say, yeah, that's my daughter. But then you look back and go, wow, this research, no one ever thought of this before. You know, it it really, I mean, I'll brag on you Proverbs 28 here, but um, this really is something that was a new revelation and does have the potential. Talk to somebody who is listening to us right now and says, oh, my dad has Parkinson's or my grandma or this, that, and the other thing. And we, they gave us medication. Mm-hmm. You know, they, did, they didn't even think about exercise and diet. Talk, talk about that connection. Yeah, well, I'll say a little caveat first. Obviously, you know, it, Parkinson's disease is occurring in the brain. It occurs mm-hmm. in the midbrain and it affects regions of the brain that affect motor function, which is why you see people with PD right. have tremors or difficulty walking and things like that. 
And so I think a lot of the focus, rightfully so, was these neuroscientists because the brain is very complex. Yeah, let's go there. They spent decades, you know, kind of looking at seeing what's actually going on and what's causing this. But I think a lot of times when you zoom in on a, a project, which you have to do as a researcher, you have to zoom in on a specific research question. You kind of forget to zoom back out and remember that mm. the body is connected. Yep. So like one of the, the causes of Parkinson's is neuroinflammation. So just inflammation of the brain. Um, and the question that we've been having for decades is, where is that coming from? And we've only been looking at the brain. I say we as scientists, mm -hmm. but you have to remember that your blood flows throughout your entire body. So mm -hmm. if there's inflammation in your brain, it's probably coming from somewhere outside of the brain. Right. Um, and of course, there's protective mechanisms to prevent things from getting into the brain that aren't supposed to be there. But in Parkinson's disease, those protective mechanism mechanisms are like stunted for whatever mm -hmm. reason. Um, and so one of those peripheral systems is the gut. And I think that, um, you know, it's it's really just in the last like 10 years that people have been considering this. So the traditional treatments are medication, physical therapy, um, you know, maybe some holistic dietary interventions, dietary or lifestyle. Acupuncture or something like, like that, that maybe, or does that help at all? What does? Acupuncture. Yeah, acupuncture. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I would say that there's, there's less studied on that just because the funding usually isn't there for those types of treatments. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think you know, people with PD will probably try anything. <laughs> sure. It definitely doesn't sure. hurt. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think now there's there's much more consideration for it. And it's interesting when I worked with people who had PD for my dissertation, 95% of them had constipation and these, mm. these really bad debilitating gut-related issues and their mm -hmm. doctors, quite frankly, just didn't really have the time to treat it. <laughs> they were mm -hmm. like, you know, we're focusing on the brain and that's all we're going to focus on. But it's actually been shown that if you have constipation for up to 20 years, it increases your risk of developing Parkinson's disease anywhere between two and fivefold. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, it's like, well, we really need to be focusing on how can we improve your gut, mm -hmm. you know, and, and if you have Parkinson's disease, how do we improve your gut in conjunction with brain function? Mm -hmm. And if you don't, but you have gut issues, like how can we improve your gut so that you don't develop these neurologic issues? So when we think about it, Dr. Kaylee Zafonta is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. She is my daughter, um, the, and we are the middle children in our respective families, yes. so we have that in common. Um, <laughs> And we like to talk. Yes. And so I have that in common as well. Uh, we're talking about the research that she did for her PhD and her uh, successfully defended dissertation at the University of Southern California with regard to Parkinson's disease and gut microbiomes, which now she gets to go to a lab every day. As a matter of fact, she's on her way out the door here, uh, which we're recording this morning, and to go play with this type of stuff. And just have, I can see it just, you know, I, your grandfather said this to me the first time he saw me in a radio studio. He said, boy, this really lights you up. <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah, and he kind of had to, make peace with that. Well, I, there's no shame in saying I'm glad that you found a research position and a postdoctoral fellowship that, that really lights you up too. Yes. But when I think about what we're discussing here and the people who are either dealing with Parkinson's disease and have that you know issue to deal with, or people who might be saying, I wonder if it's not hereditary necessarily, is it? Or is it in the DNA? You know, it's kind of like every other disease that's been discovered cancer and Alzheimer's, there's a genetic component and mm -hmm. there's people who will get it. Typically, they'll they'll develop Parkinson's disease earlier in life if it is genetic. Mm -hmm. uh, but the majority of people that develop PD, they're finding that it's for lifestyle. Um, it's obviously multifactorial. There's lots of reasons why you would get it, but um, it has more to do with your lifestyle than, in my mind, more to do with your lifestyle than it does genetics. Because I was reading something, and I don't remember if it was a reprint from Nature or all these journals now that I can just drop names. I don't read them, but I mean, when you have a scientist daughter, you hear about this stuff. Uh, where they were talking about the new aggressive forms of dementia, for example, and they mm -hmm. said that's basically type 3 diabetes. Yeah. I mean, is it, 
so the, the the diet, the exercise, the the lifestyle choices that we make can really play a big role in this. Yeah, and I, and I found that in my research, and the gut brain axis is what it's called. When I was looking at that in connection in Parkinson's disease, I kind of was able to come full circle and find that people with Parkinson's disease benefit greatly from exercise. Mm. So I was working actually in a physical therapy department at USC that has many neurologic specialists and has, you know, a lot of these people have clinics dedicated to mm -hmm. helping people with Parkinson's mm -hmm. disease, doing exercises like dance and boxing and weightlifting and all of those things really help their motor function. Um, but exercise has also been shown to improve gut health um, as well. And, and diet, of course, what you eat impacts your, your gut health as well. So, yeah. You have written about this, obviously, extensively because of the PhD you know, uh, research. Uh, we were comparing notes. I think you had 300 footnotes plus in your uh, dissertation. Yeah, there was quite a few. I, I went back and only, I only had 75 citations when I wrote the internet book, so you win. That one hands <laughs> down. Um, but as your grandfather jokingly said when he read my book, he goes, well, at least people will actually read yours. Yeah. And uh, compared to his, which we have on the shelf, and you and I get a kick out of reading his yeah. uh, doctoral dissertation. Um, we want to take a break, and when we come back, I know you have an e-book, and you have a resource that we're going to make available to bottom line listeners, and I'd like for you, love for you to walk through that and yeah. talk about the things you're doing online and helping people out there as well. Dr. Kaylee Zapanta is my guest. We're talking about gut health and Parkinson's disease and uh, how you can improve the Parkinson's condition or you can prevent it from happening in the first place with diet and exercise hacks, as they say online. More in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to a special edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. I'm looking everywhere. We've got cameras all over the studio today here for myhopenow.com. And if you see the young woman who's on the other side of the screen at My Hope Now, that's uh, my daughter, Kaylee Zapanta. Dr. Kaylee Zapanta recently earned her PhD in uh, exercise physiology, or what was your, okay, is that the, the, the simplest way to say it? Yeah. Uh, on a journey that had her studying oncology and then eventually doing Parkinson's research. It's pretty groundbreaking stuff. And um, if you weren't my daughter, I'd still say it's pretty groundbreaking stuff. So, I mean, it just gives me a ton, tons of pride to say that. Um, we've got a link up at thebottomlineshow.com. Kaylee's written an ebook. Well, she's written her whole doctoral dissertation, which I would be a lot for any of us to read. You know, there's. I, I wouldn't expect anybody no, to. No, I've, I've, I've read a lot of your pre draft and everything that you've, you've been gracious enough to send because we're kind of nerdy like that. We like to read that stuff. Right. But talk about what you're writing now, because you've got a website, you've got an online presence, you're doing coaching, you're doing training, in addition to the research you're doing. And I was talking with you about coming on the program and discussing this, and you said, oh, I have an ebook," And I went, mm, okay, well, I'm, I'm all ears, so tell me tell me all about it. Yeah, well, I, I just wrote the ebook mostly because I, when I was working with the Parkinson's disease patients, and even just like talking with my nutrition clients and my personal trained clients, um, one of the biggest questions I get asked, especially because I've coined the term, I'm Dr. Digestion. So people are like, oh, you're the gut person. Yeah. Um, the number one question I get asked is, how do I improve my gut health? Yeah. And that's such a loaded question, to be honest, because there's so much that we don't know about the gut. Right. And of course, you know, you can say, well, I'm, I'm assuming that what I eat impacts my gut, or I'm assuming that, you know, these kind of obvious things impact my gut. But there's a lot of things, factors that impact gut health that are not really well known. And it's the only really way to know it is to read through all of these really dense research articles, which nobody wants to read probably right. except for me. Yeah. So, and Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> so I basically read all those articles mm -hmm. uh, and I created an ebook that um, essentially just kind of goes through what the gut microbiome is, what, um, you know, we have a microbiome in all of our different organ systems. So in, you know, our small intestines, our large intestines, our stomach, our skin, like we have bacteria all over the place and they're really important. So I kind of go over like just 
bird's eye view what each of those organ systems does. And then I talk about uh, 10 or 12 ways that you can kind of look at your life and say, you know, are there different aspects of my life that might be impacting my gut health negatively or positively? So an example of that would be nutrition. What am I eating? Uh, movement impacts gut like we talked about before, mm -hmm. uh, but also like stress and sleep and age and things like that. So I kind of go over like all the different factors that could be potentially contributing to your gut health. And then at the end of the ebook, I kind of um, give you a tool to sort of, I guess, get to know your digestion better because mm -hmm. we all are so different that, you know, I'm not one person. I'm not the type of person that's going to say that there's one thing that you should eliminate from your diet or right. add to your diet that's going to improve your gut. Um, but I think it's different for everybody. Like mm -hmm. some of us can have gluten and dairy and other others of us can't. Uh, and so I kind of go into like how to assess your particular gut health needs based off of symptoms that you might be experiencing and how you can kind of just get to know yourself a little bit better mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, what you're eating and your lifestyle so that you can improve your gut health. When you were talking about the, uh, the dairy just for a moment, bottom line listeners need to know that uh, one of the Marsh family food groups and one of our primary love languages is ice cream. Yes. And so uh, that goes back to my mother and the fact that we used to spend 4th of July making homemade ice cream, so we really love it. And one year when Kaylee was in middle school, we gave up ice cream for Lent because we used to make milkshakes every night. That was the worst and idea ever. <laughs> it really was because not only did we have to give it up for 40 days, but then on Easter Sunday, I made us both milkshakes and we both got sick. Yes. Because our guts <laughs> were like, we were like, oh, this is so great. <laughs> But the idea, though, not one size fits all, I yes. think is huge because there are, let's face it, you know people who will do the exact same diet program mm -hmm. and one of them loses 20 pounds and the other one stays the same. Yep. And and you have to, you know, tailor it based on so many different factors, mitigating things like, uh, you know, your workload, your mm -hmm. family history, um, when you go through the loss of a parent or a spouse mm -hmm. or, you know, a loved one. I mean, there's so many things that factor into it. And so you've taken all of that into consideration in this ebook, and that yes. thing, that's why I think it's so uh, very valuable. We're going to have links available to the ebook for Bottom Line Show listeners. And I have still have to talk to the author and find out how many we're going to be able to give away. But there is a cost. If you go to, where's your website? How do we find you? So it's just drdigestionphd.com. Okay. Now you go to that website and you'll see Kaylee's picture. You'll find this interview eventually and where we're kind of recapitulating everything. But then that's where you can purchase the ebook. And um, we're obviously encouraging people to buy it, but we are going to be giving it away to bottom line listeners today too, uh, because your health is too important. You know, and, and, and you have to know that there is at least one scientist in your corner who has a faith component. It's like every time I talk to Stephanie Cover, I'm I just blown away with her knowledge of personal injury law, how she keeps up on it. And yet the fact that her husband, in addition to being a contract lawyer, is also um, an ordained minister. And they have oh, wow. worship services and healing services in their home. You know, I mean, that's just that's so to have both of those going, you and Kevin have that type of uh, uh, situation as well when it comes to science. Um where what are the next steps you get to play scientist every day now i mean you're actually you know it, it's a big person job for you i'm i'm so happy and thrilled and proud of you what are you studying and uh when next time you're back on what are we going to be talking about so now i'm actually i kind of switched gears a little bit i'm still <laughs> working in the microbiome but i'm looking at animals hmm, okay. so the company i work for uh, does animal diagnostic testing uh, on dogs and cats and exotic animals like elephants and bearded dragons. And How fun. Like yeah, it's really Does your cool. brother know about the bearded dragon part? I, I'll, I'll have to tell him because <laughs> I actually just wrote up a, a proposal. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I wanted to get more into the microbiome because it's so complex. And, mm -hmm. and I know a lot, but I don't know nearly enough sure. to you know call myself an expert. Wait, you mean the science isn't settled on this? Yeah, it's never it's... settled. <laughs> <laughs> 
we had many good conversations during the pandemic about the fact that anytime somebody said the science is settled, they really don't understand the nature of science. Yeah, that's and my least favorite phrase. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, but uh, again, as a scientist of faith, mm -hmm. to talk about how, as we wrap things up here, how your faith informs what you're looking for and how amazing is God to you now compared to where he was when you started on this journey? I don't understand how anyone can be a scientist, especially studying the human body, and not believe in God mm. and not believe in a creator. Because every time I learn about an organ system that just works and you don't have to think about it, like our digestive system just does what it's supposed to do and we don't really have to... Even with all the crazy process stuff we put into our bodies, we're still alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And our bodies are made to be resilient and withstand a lot of things that, you know, we impose upon it, like stress and sugar and alcohol and all these things. Um, so yeah, I think that like the more I, the deeper I get into science, the, the stronger my faith grows, mm -hmm. which I'm really blessed about because I know that that's not always the case. Well, I, I want to toast you here. Uh, to conclude our conversation here, I brought kombucha. That's very appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Since we're talking gut health, this is for you, sweetheart. And uh, um, unless you want the other one, I've got a ginger sunrise one, too. Oh, this one's this great. Is the, so Kaylee introduced me to the wonderful world of kombucha. And the first thing I asked my nutritionist at uh, my insurance company, once I finished my heart procedure, I, had to, I couldn't have kombucha for 30 days. And the first question I asked was, when can I start drinking kombucha again? It's a, a probiotic. And, um, and she asked me, she said, how do you spell that? And the woman I spoke with, who apparently was a nutritionist, had never heard of kombucha. Oh and I said, well, I'm just going to start. And if something happens, one of my legs falls off or whatever, I'll stop. But uh, uh, your gut health is very important. And the fact that uh, modern science is just now embracing this and the case kind of riding the crest of this wave, um, God put you there for a reason. And uh, we've said that all along through your educational journey. And now, for the first time in 28 years, you're not going to school every day, which is uh, probably a kind of a trip, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but it's nice to just have a nine to five. Yeah, that's cool. Not be so stressed. I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you and for Kevin and the way God's leading your life. But for you in particular, Kay Bear, uh, I love you and I'm proud of you. And thank you for the work you're doing and for being with us today here on The Bottom Line Show. Thanks for having me. I love you too, Dad. Well, this is a great conversation, and uh, of course, proud pop alert. Uh, <laughs> couldn't let the day go without that one. Dr. Kaylee Marsh Zapanta, my daughter, has been our guest in studio today. Uh, she is the author of a great ebook called, remember her on air handle, if you're looking for her online, it's Dr. Digestion PhD, drdigestionphd.com. And her book is called Dr. Digestion PhD's Gut Health Guide. And if you know someone who has Parkinson's disease, if you have someone who's got dementia, Alzheimer's, and you're looking for a way, either you're concerned that that might be in your family history and you want to prevent that from happening, or if you know someone who does, they've been doing a lot of research with people who do have Parkinson's, who are using some of these practices right now and are finding uh, their condition is improving. It's not a cure by any stretch of the imagination, but it is definitely an improvement. We have not one, not two, not three, not four, but five copies of this book that we're giving away. It's an ebook. And when you call Crystal at 800-227-5278, she will, if you're one of the winners, she'll give you the code. Then you'll go to drdigestionphd.com, drdigestionphd.com, and you'll take, we'll have the link linked up to you for where the book is. You can pop in the details. It's got a price tag on it. And you can smile saying, hey, my cost is covered. And then you punch in the code that Crystal gives you and you get the ebook. It works just that well. So 800-227-5278. 
800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. And if you do not, uh, if you're not one of the fortunate winners who gets one of these five uh, eBooks we're giving away, take heart. We also have five copies of the brand new, not to be released until next week, book by Dr. Charles Stanley. Great devotional book. And of course, Dr. Stanley's with the Lord. This is something they were working on prior to his passing. And uh, I'm grateful that the folks at InTouch called us and said, hey, how would you like these books to give away? We said, absolutely. 800-227-5278-800-227-5278-800-227-5278 the number to get you through to the bottom line on the other side of this break a final thought about our health and finding cures for the things that ail us coming up next as the bottom line continues one of the greatest gifts that we can give to an expectant mother is the gift of the first picture she'll ever have of her son or daughter in the womb. That comes through an ultrasound, and our friends at Preborn have an opportunity for us to make more of these ultrasounds a reality. Every time you give a donation of $28 to Preborn, that means one more ultrasound can take place. But how about giving enough money for an ultrasound machine? The cost is $15,000. It's a sizable investment. But every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts at least 10 years. Now take that cost $15,000 and divide that by 2,500. Okay, now you begin to see how the cost per ultrasound goes down even more once we have more ultrasound machines to donate into preborn clinics. Make a donation right now to preborn. It's completely tax deductible, and every penny, every dollar you donate right now is going to the purchase of an ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. That's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn and make your best donation right now. $25, $50, $100, it all counts towards saving babies' lives. kbrightradio.com. Hit the Preborn banner right now. My thanks again to Dr. Kaylee Zapanta. I should say Dr. Kaylee Marsh Zapanta. Uh, yes, she is my daughter, Kaylee, who's been on the program a couple of times before, along with her older sister, and a couple of times just while she was doing her research study. Uh, KK is the author of a brand new book that is actually the guts, <laughs> pun intended, of her doctoral dissertation, which she completed and successfully defended back in June. And I don't mind saying that there were so many people from the Marsh and Zapanta and Meka and other families that descended upon the University of Southern California. We were informed afterwards it was a record family turnout for the number of people who came to hear a doctoral dissertation, but it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Um, the book that she's written is called Dr. Her on-air handles, Dr. Digestion, PhD, uh, drdigestionphd.com. Um, her book is called Dr. Digestion, PhD's Gut Health Guide. And if you know someone with Parkinson's disease, I, I urge you to check out this book. We've got it linked up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we have five copies of this book we're giving away electronically. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. It's everyone Wednesday. We also have five copies of the brand-new devotional by the late Dr. Charles Stanley. Uh, it'll be out next week, but we've got them now. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. 
Uh, Kaylee was born with a bit of a digestive issue uh, to begin with. She wound up in her first four months of life at the hospital a couple of times. And there were times when I was just thrilled that God saw fit to bless our family with her presence, but then also to have her survive. She thrived in the athletic world. She met her husband her sophomore year in high school. They've been inseparable for more than half of their lives. But it wasn't until about her junior year in high school that she thought, hey, maybe I could try this science thing. By the time she got into community college, she thought, well, maybe I want to be a counselor, you know, find out why people do what they do, that type of thing. But by the time she landed at Cal State Fullerton her junior year, she knew biokinesiology was what she wanted. She then graduated with a degree and worked for a couple of years and waited for Kevin to figure out what he was going to do. And then he asked her to marry him and said, oh, by the way, I got a job in San Francisco. And so I need to move up there. <laughs> and so she had applied to grad school in Southern California and by God's providence, she reapplied to San Francisco State, turned out one of her Cal State Fullerton teachers was there, and the rest is history. Uh, that led her to developing a friendship with a woman who was a professor at USC, and she wound up at SC for a second master's and then her doctorate degree. But it wasn't until she started down the road for PhD that she wound up in the Parkinson's world. She was studying oncology at that point. And I've watched how God has moved her around from academia to academia. Now she's doing a postdoctoral fellowship here in Orange County. But it's interesting to see how I, I share this with you as an encouragement. Um, when, when you are open to what God has for you and you follow his will, I've seen so many times where she and Peter have been walking on the water because they were looking at Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Even if you're going through a medical challenge, a financial challenge, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That is good news, and that's the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. You've got uh, Rabbi Schneider discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. For those who remain on the network, let's talk about understanding and loving your college student. If you have kids or grandkids who are in college right now, Dr. James Phyllis is going to talk to us about what's really going on and how we can be the best resource of help for them that they need. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. One of the biggest challenges that parents are facing today is not necessarily just, you know, raising kids. That's a, that's a, challenge in and of itself in this culture. But what happens when that child who's been so perfectly prepared launches into young adulthood and they find themselves in a college campus and all of a sudden they realize, wow, there's a whole new world that they're encountering and I really didn't know how to prepare them. Today here on The Bottom Line, we'll be joined for a conversation by Dr. James Phyllis. Uh, Jim is the co-author along with Steve Arterburn of a brand new book that has a very practical title, but there's a lot more going on here than just the basic, here's what it promises on the cover. The book is called Understanding and Loving Your College Student. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. James Phyllis, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Good to be with you this afternoon. Really uh, grateful. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, especially in light of the fact that you come at this from an academic approach with your work in, as a life coach and also from a ministerial approach uh, after with a doctorate of ministry and serving for a couple of decades in pastoral ministry. Um, talk about the fact that uh, obviously you, you've raised a couple of kids on your own, uh, you and your wife, and um, you've, the kids have turned out well and gone into the field, but that's not always the case for a lot of people these days who have young adults who grew up in a Christian home, had all the basic tenets of, you know, the faith instilled and imparted, and then something happened along the way. Why was it so important for you to write this book with Steve right now? I think the college campus can be even more daunting <clears throat> for parents today 
the things that we see in the media, uh, things even that kids bring home from school, it seems uh, so much more uh, difficult uh, for Christians to understand and to, you know, have a perspective about how does God exist on a campus where there's this kind of disrespect mm-hmm. and even hostility to the gospel. Uh, how do I entrust my my child to that environment? What do, what do I do? And how do I have a sense that I've really prepared them well? If something mm-hmm. doesn't go well, the automatic message is I, as a parent, I I messed up. I mm-hmm. messed my child up. I, I failed to take advantage of the opportunities, and I just got it wrong. Mm-hmm. So I think that's especially important for uh, this generation of parents as they uh, think that uh, experience is much different than what they grew up with. Yeah, let's let's get into that a little bit because the culture has changed, and I think there are you know there's some timeless tried and true principles that we take from Scripture. They're going to stand the test of time, regardless of what the fashions are. But at the same time, as you guys note in the in this understanding and loving your your child series, uh, a lot of parenting books that we are still leaning on have the biblical principles. You know, they're eternal. But the cultural conditions, you know, that context, they might be, you know, a couple of decades old and you're trying to write and speak into this situation right now. How do we I mean, I I wouldn't know all three of my kids are in there. The youngest is 29. So, I mean, I I wouldn't know in terms of what it's like to be 17, 18, 19 going off to college right now. Can you give us kind of an overview, James, of what the um, what the college campus environment is like? Um, Is it all bad? Is it all hostile or is there just kind of a. Uh, you mentioned it earlier, I think, kind of a disrespect for the things that are tried and true. Obviously, it differs from from campus to campus. Mm -hmm. But I think the general tone of things is Christianity doesn't work. Uh, It doesn't explain the big issues of life. And so it's not really a factor for many of the both uh, staff, faculty and students on the campus. What we have found and what I continue to find working with families, there are places on almost every college campus where believing uh, faculty, staff, students meet and encourage one another. Hmm. And most often those are not populations that are interacting in an obvious way. But but there are places if you if you have a sense, yeah, I'm going to look for a place here. There are places to be found. So is there hostility? Yes. And are there the campus that our kids went to? One of the professors was openly hostile and (laughs) and disrespectful toward the faith. And yet our kids were recognizing this was a a vantage point, a viewpoint, and they had been prepared. Yeah, you're going to come up against this. It wasn't a surprise. And they had some some strategies for dealing with that. You know, it's interesting talking with Dr. James Phyllis today here on The Bottom Line. He's the co-author, along with Stephen Arterburn, of a brand new book called Understanding and Loving Your College Student, which we have at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, Jim, I was re- thinking back to a study. My goodness, it's almost been 20 years ago. Uh, Dr. Chop Clark, who worked in the youth ministry world for years and years, actually spent a semester 
undercover. Uh, he took an assignment as a long-term sub teaching at a public high school right here in Southern California. And he wound up writing a book called Hurt. And he was talking about what it was like to, you know, what kids were sharing with him, you know, in class and the way they were handling things. And it was really eye-opening for people in the youth ministry world. But I thought that book was published in like 2006, you know, <laughs> maybe 2005. Nowadays, we're, we're seeing that one of the things that he did mention, though, was that adolescents began younger and it went much longer. Um, I want you to uh, help us understand what it means for someone to be an adolescent, moving into young adulthood. Um, how, how does that process? You and I, e even years before that, we grew up with insecurities. And do is there a group that we fit into? Am I safe there? Uh, those are all the more uh, uncertain today. Uh, one of my daughters, uh, my daughter actually teaches in high school, and so even at middle school and high school level, the you know the the assumed uh, kind of conception of life, male and female, it, it's so much in question, and and we live in a very uh, conservative community. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the uh, kind of mores of our community are historically Christian. And yet still in that environment, many kids are asking the question, what's true about me in terms of gender? Mm -hmm. So the questions are, they are more profoundly uh, difficult for students to address. The culture in terms of adopting pronouns and, and all the rest uh, seems to reinforce the questions as opposed to helping students resolve the questions. Mm. So even at the high school level, uh, this is something I've seen in a couple of cases. Uh, faculty members are in a position to encourage students to answer those questions for themselves. What do they know to be true? And actually appealing, what do you know to be true from the Scriptures? And so that's the, that's the greatest anchor that we have. The, the stabilizing force is the Word of God. We know it's the same yesterday, today, forever. God doesn't change. The securities that we need are always going to be found in Him and, and through His Word. And so linking, uh, enabling our students to read and understand for themselves, and then be in a community where that's reinforced, those are some of the things that we want to put in place, middle school, high school, so that they recognize, I don't have to, I don't have to go through this by myself. Mm -hmm. I need mm -hmm. to look for friends who are going to help me negotiate this, navigate this in a healthy way. And you know, it's interesting that you talk about that healthy way of doing so. When you take out, take out all the standards, when you take out all the, you know, you, you, you create enough confusion in the culture and you have kids convinced, well, maybe you've got their professors convinced that there are no moral absolutes or that uh, George Barna and I were having this conversation not too long ago about one of the more alarming trends that happened in the culture during the pandemic. And that was the good news more people believe there are absolute moral standards than they did before the pandemic. The bad news is they don't fewer and fewer people believe that they're biblical. You know, and in, in other words, they, the only other place to go is either the culture or yourself. And that's got to be confusing with that shifting sand. I mean, it, it's on the one hand, you can um, what, what was it? Casey Kasem used to say, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. You know, if you've got that right. firm foundation to build on, then sure, you can go to college and question things. You know, why not? Because you've got that firm.
option to fall back on. But Jim, it sounds like what you're saying now is one of the big to do uh, understanding points for us as parents and grandparents is when our students go off to college, they are going into a world that's going to tell them there is no foundation. And so it's basically we're all just kind of floating in space and whoever's going to make the most compelling argument is going to win. I, I think that's true. And so let's take a look at the second part of that uh, heading. It's loving them. It's, it's loving them when I understand that they're asking those questions, when they're asking them, and it appears that they are not grounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead of lecturing them or hollering at them or whatever, being understanding that, yeah, th- they need to ask these questions so that they reaffirm Mm-hmm. the biblical standards, the bis- biblical norms for themselves. Mm-hmm. And this is part of becoming an adult. I'm embracing these values, this viewpoint uh, about the world for myself. And as a parent, as a grandparent, yeah, we, we're not expecting them to get it right every time, first time. Uh, we're We're going to be understanding and gracious when they make a mistake, but we're not right. going to pretend it's not a mistake. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's there's firmness with grace. Yeah. Boy, that's great counsel from Dr. James Phyllis today here on The Bottom Line. He's the co-author of a brand new book, co-authored with Stephen Arterburn of New Life Ministries and New Life Live radio program. Uh, the book is called Understanding and Loving Your College Student. And we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. If there's someone in your world, maybe one of your kids or a grandchild who's going off to college, and maybe they're there right now. This is the first time on their own kind of having to do battle with the culture. Uh, this is a great resource to have to be able to speak godly values into their world. World, especially a world that is more and more becoming hostile to their faith. We'll have more of this conversation in just a moment as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Dr. James Phyllis is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Jim, and along with Steve Arterburn, have written a great new book called Understanding and Loving Your College Student. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, Dr. James Phyllis uh, is the uh, author, co-author of this book. He's been many. He is also, in addition to that, the uh, uh, the man behind uh, frontrowlifecoaching.net, which we have up at thebottomlineshow.com. And this is the, the type of ministry, Jim, after how many years in the pulpit and then doing life coaching as well, that it seems like it's becoming more and more vital, you know, that, that someone with a pastoral background, you know, who can also understand, you know, the habits of life. I'm sure you've had seen quite a demand, especially over the past five years for people saying, I need someone to coach me here. I mean, <laughs> life throwing things 
really didn't plan on happening. Talk about how your ministry moved from the pulpit to uh, this front row coaching. Yeah, actually, it's a series of doors that just opened in front of me that I wasn't even looking for. Uh, and largely, that's the function of, of new life. I, I moved from a pulpit ministry. We were in transition as a family, and we were going to stay in Hendersonville, North Carolina, so our kids could finish their high school and have that stability. And I landed with New Life, had no real idea. Mm. But Steve has been a great help, encouragement, uh, opened a lot of doors in terms of of workshop ministry, and then ultimately this writing uh, work that we did together. And what I, as I walked through those doors, what I found out is there's an intersection of of pastoral experience, shepherding lives, theological training, and then the ability to ask uh, annoying questions. <laughs> and so that's uh, I, I I I love the work that I do. Because I really I want to encourage, and I, my ministry is primarily with believers, I want to encourage believers to face questions that they have a hard time asking themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But encourage them. You can face this. Right. Uh, you have a ready resource in the Scriptures and the other things that you uh, have studied uh, about Christ. And so it really is just, it's God has been good. To open doors that I get a chance to watch people change. I, I tell people I have a front row seat to watch God change people's lives. I love it. And that's I largely a function of what happened through New Life. I think that's fantastic. Well, we'll have a, a link for your ministry website, uh, frontrowlifecoaching.net, up at thebottomlineshow.com, in addition to this brand new book, Understanding and Loving Your College Student. I was thinking about something during the break, Jim, I was thinking about something you said before the break with regard to kids. And I think this is a, a huge paradigm shift that we shouldn't gloss over. Um, having three kids who I think we have that in common, our kids are all in the educational world and I have some bonus kids who are coaching and, you know, doing that type of thing too. So that's, it's kind of our family business, if you will. But the idea Mm -hmm. that someone would go to college or university, uh, you know, for advanced training, and that was the, that's the thought, you know, I mean, when my parents were coming up, they were the first in their families to go to college and graduate, and it was a big deal. So it was just kind of expected we would do that. And the thought was never that college would be a harmful experience, but it would be helpful. And you mentioned something I'd love to circle back around to, where you were talking about the fact that kids on college campuses now are having their values challenged and even broken down. And there's this air of unpredictability, of uncertainty that that is being impressed upon them, imparted to them, rather than saying, there are answers, but you can find them. Now it's almost like saying, there are no answers, and you're just host you know i mean that is is that a oversimplification of what the college experience is like for kids and maybe a good place for us to start in terms of how we uh, help them through this season i think it is the the encouragement that i have and i and i would refer us to uh, are the words of paul from the book of romans he says i'm convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of god that is in Amen. christ jesus Mm-hmm. So even the distress and the uncertainty of college years, uh, even that distress is something that God intends for uh, kingdom purposes, that we would, we would reaffirm, reassert our kingdom citizenship. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's one of the things. If, if I, as a parent, am living as a citizen of God's kingdom, where I'm doing so, and, and not just being morally perfect and never struggling, but actually showing my, my, uh, my children, yeah, Dad makes many different kinds of mistakes. He makes mistakes of judgment. He makes uh, mistakes of character. Uh, he actually sins, and when he sins, he repents. And when he has sinned against, he forgives. Uh, when we live out the gospel in those ways, uh, we're preparing them that I don't have to be perfect, I don't have to know everything, and that creates an additional uh, motivation for them to run back home when they need to, not always, mm -hmm. but when they mm -hmm. need to, to run back home and be reminded, you know, there's a security that we know even when we feel most insecure. Mm. And quite you frankly, yeah, we, we had the same thing when we were growing up, right? Mm -hmm. It's just the stakes were different, and the the degree of opposition was different. Right. Uh, and I think here's one of the other things, Roger. I'm, I'm just going to throw this in. You haven't asked specifically, but there are parents who think that they will protect their ki their children, their students, from this by sending them to a Christian school. And the sad reality is, no, even at Christian colleges, these same kinds of issues surface. Mm -hmm. And and we can't, like geographically or situationally, protect our students from these questions. We need to be walking alongside them as they walk through them, uh, as they will allow us to. Yeah, that's a great reminder from Jim Phyllis today here on The Bottom Line about understanding and loving your college student. A link for the book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. And, and, and just because the school has a quote-unquote Christian name or even background or heritage, I mean, many of the Ivy League schools, as we know them, of course, were started by people of the Christian faith. Uh, Jim, we've got about a minute and a half left in our time together here, and I know there's someone who is, is intrigued by our conversation. They want to get a hold of this resource. For the parent who's listening, or maybe even for the grandparent who's listening to this conversation right now and saying, how do I, you know, start incorporating some of these principles uh, into uh, practice here? What are some good first steps for parents who are saying, okay, I thought I had this all figured out. My kid's been at college for a semester now, and I don't even recognize them anymore. Yeah, so great, great question. Thank you so much for, for setting it up that way. One, the ways that our students experience the stability Jesus the same, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, is constancy in us. So I, I'm encouraging parents and grandparents, uh, you have not succeeded when it appears that your children are perfect. More likely than not, they are hiding something from you, or you're failing to see something. So honesty, in terms of the personal struggles, is one of the things that's going to create safety for your student to come back and say, I have a question, I'm insecure, I'm afraid I did this wrong, I need your help, I need to be comforted because I am feeling so alone and so so sad, and, and even times I feel like a failure. Mm -hmm. It's the establishment and the, and the deep work of maintaining that relationship uh, without being a helicopter parent 
Right. But it's maintaining that relationship that creates a secure place for the children to come back. And also, you then have a voice to speak hard words as well as gracious words. Mm. That is great sound wisdom from Dr. James Phyllis today here on The Bottom Line. Jim is the co-author, along with Steve Arterburn, of the brand new book that we highly recommend here at the program. It's called Understanding and Loving Your College Student, and we have a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jim, thank you for your heart for ministry and the many years you put into not only pastoral ministry, but also coaching and working with couples who are wrestling with some of the major challenges that would have impact marriages and now venturing into the college student world. Uh, congratulations on the book, and thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom line. I appreciate the time with you, Roger. Thank you so much. Very helpful conversation with James Phyllis today here on The Bottom Line, and uh, we encourage you to give us a call at 800-227-5278. I do have a copy of his book that he co-authored with Stephen Arterburn. The book is called Understanding and Loving Your College Student, uh, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, the book, Understanding and Loving Your College Student, is going to be a great resource, especially if you have that youngster, if you will, in your life, uh, maybe he comes over to go see grandma and grandpa, and it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> what in the world are they thinking? Why do they act like this? You weren't raised this way. Well, guess what? Um, this is a new day, it's a new dawning, but there is some hope. I want to talk about, on the other side of this break, some ways that we can be practical and uh, basically dovetail off of something James Phyllis said in our conversation that really got my attention. I want to circle back around to make sure it got yours too. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know, I'll never forget the moment I met my grandson, Isaac. It actually wasn't in the delivery room. That was the first time I held him. But the first time I actually met Isaac was when I went with his mother to her ultrasound appointment, and the ultrasound technician showed us a picture of that eight-week-old baby in the womb. Uh, you know, I encourage you to contact Preborn right now and make a donation to provide that same experience for another family. Maybe there's someone in your family who's expecting a child right now. They've had the ultrasound. You've seen the picture. You've heard the heartbeat, and you think, wow, how can I bless someone else. Studies show that 83% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and see that ultrasound either choose to become mothers and raise the children on their own or release the child for adoption. It cuts the risk of it cuts the rate of abortion dramatically. But your donations are necessary right now to get more ultrasound machines into preborn health clinics. Give a gift online when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the banner that says preborn. Cute little baby there wrapped up in a blanket. Or give a gift over the phone. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, that's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn, make a donation. Every ultrasound machine could do 250 ultrasounds per year, so give a gift right now. My thanks again to James Phyllis, who's the co-author, along with Stephen Arterburn, of a brand new book called Understanding and Loving Your College Student. We've had so many books to give away today. We had five copies of Dr. Digestion's Guide to Gut Health and five copies of the brand new devotional by Charles Stanley. And then this copy of James Phyllis's book, Understanding and Loving Your College Student. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. So what are we talking about here? What, what, what's really the, the, the gist of the, the issue? I want to circle back around to something James shared with me in our conversation that really got my attention, and I think it'll be very helpful uh, for you as a parent or a grandparent 
if you've got uh, youngsters in this uh, age group that are in your, uh, in your purview. He said, when a young person goes to college today, it used to be that college was the place of higher learning, right? We went through, uh, if you can remember back in the day when getting through the eighth grade, some of those graduation exams were tough. And then a high school diploma really meant something because not everybody got one. And as recently as maybe a generation ago, only 10% of American kids went to college. It was for medical students and teachers and that type of stuff. It really wasn't for everyone. Now, one out of every three millennials has at least one college degree. Many of them have advanced degrees. More women than men are getting all the college degrees. And the world has changed a lot. But we went to college, just as we started off the program with my conversation with my daughter, Kaylee, who uh, uh, had spent her whole life in academia. (laughs) She really loves it and still loves teaching. But... she goes to and went to university and to do research to discover new ways to find helpful treatments and god allowed her to find one with regard to parkinson's disease but that's not the case in most collegiate studies anymore as james phyllis james phyllis told us he said today when a child goes off to or one of our sons or daughters goes off to college they go to a college campus that wants to sow seeds of doubt they basically want to introduce a whole slew of new ideas and they don't care if any of them are verifiable or helpful because the name of the game is not helping them achieve knowledge that would lead to wisdom, concrete, tangible, measurable, relatable. Rather, it's to just confuse the heck out of them, whether it be their gender, their sexuality, their faith, or lack thereof. If that is the position of the university and even some Christian colleges fall victim to it, then it's up to us as parents and grandparents who are the adults speaking into the lives of these kids to let them know there is absolute truth. There is a moral standard and you will find it in the Bible. The difference between what the kids are learning in the world, what the world is teaching and what the church teaches is that we believe all of this and accept it all by faith. By grace through faith in Jesus Christ, you have been saved. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. That is the good news, and that's the bottom line.